Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. Since January 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic has presented us with challenges on multiple fronts. As many of you listeners know, I live and I practice as a licensed psychologist in the state of Hawaii. Throughout the COVID crisis, we in Hawaii witnessed the aloha spirit at its very best, whether our ohana demonstrating their generosity and love for one another, whether it was economically supporting local businesses, tipping extra, food drives, or just knitting homemade masks. However, while the economic and medical needs were being responded to and addressed, we as a Hawaii mental health community knew the impact of the pandemic would not just have economic and medical ramifications, but mental health repercussions as well. Not surprisingly, a survey showed, or many surveys showed, a a major increase in the number of U.S. citizens who reported symptoms of stress and anxiety and depression as a result of the pandemic compared to the surveys before the pandemic. Of particular concern to us here in Hawaii were those experiencing mental health challenges who were uninsured, either due to job loss or other life circumstances. So we decided to get creative and designed a program that successfully addressed the mental health needs of our uninsured ohana or our family here in Hawaii. Here today to talk to me about this project are Dr. Lori Ignacio and Jody Gerson. Dr. Ignacio is a licensed clinical psychologist and a return guest on this show. She is in full-time private practice here in Honolulu. She's an adjunct professor of clinical psychology at the Hawaii School of Professional Psychology. She's an expert in the area of adult, individual, and couple psychotherapy, clinical psychology, personality assessment, and in trauma. Jody Gerson has two master's degrees and is a doctoral candidate in clinical psychology at the Hawaii School of Professional Psychology at Chaminade University in Honolulu. We are also very proud of her, Lori and I, for having recently passed her comprehensive exams. That's pretty exciting. Her work and experiences with adults, adolescents, and children, and includes assistance and intervention with the homeless, individuals with mental health issues of the more severe kind, minors in foster care, forensics, youth parole, and persons with HIV and AIDS, and she specializes in art therapy. Ladies, it is so nice to have you here with us today. Lori and Jody, welcome. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We're excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, we are. You know, in today's program, we're talking about the COVID-19 program that we put together that's come to be known as the Hawaii Pro Bono COVID-19 Project. We're also going to be introducing the next phase of this pro bono service at the end of our show. And we're going to share with you, our listeners, how you can implement this program in your state. But let's jump in. What I want to do at the very beginning here have Lori kind of start us out and give us a little bit of a history of how this all started, this pro bono COVID-19 project. Where do we start? Well, this is the story of essentially how it got started. Graham and I work together, we are colleagues, and share clinical time together in working with patients. And with the onset of COVID, we became more and more aware, we began to recognize that with the COVID medical crisis, it was also swiftly becoming just as quickly a mental health crisis with people in our state, oh, well, across the globe, obviously, but certainly in our state, you know, loss of employment, people in isolation after mandates to remain at home to contain the pandemic, 
just fears people coming in to see us via telehealth by this time with an uncertain future, with lots of fear around, you know, becoming sick or loved ones, you know, getting sick and dying, all of these very intense mental health concerns. So again, so the, the COVID medical crisis was paralleled with a, a mental health crisis. And we also came to recognize that those with the greatest mental health needs became those who had lost their medical insurance. You know, with the pressure of losing their job, there was also the, the, the loss of, among other things, medical insurance that would allow them to seek out mental health support. So Graham and I put our heads together and said, well, maybe we can do something here to, to bridge the need, particularly for those uninsured who yeah, need the help the most. Yeah, it was right? interesting too, just in terms of recognizing the level of the mental health needs even came from some of the docs that we were working that's with right. in the group. That's right. So Graham and I run a frontline doc group. In other words, these are doctors on the front line of COVID treating COVID patients and through our interactions with them, they were also seeing the same things in their patients and even in themselves, that with the medical challenges, there was a crisis of mental health among doctors and also their own patients. So this was being paralleled in, in many places. So we got to be, as we mentioned at the beginning, kind of creative and started to think about how could we kind of vision uh, what our services could be as a mental health community. Talk yeah. a little about the vision. Yeah. So... We saw this as an opportunity, really, to perhaps utilize not only our own professional skills, but also to harness the goodwill and also the skills of our colleagues who might be willing to provide, you know, pro bono services to those particularly in need, and and again, the uninsured in particular. So we came up with the idea of creating a referral-based pro bono project which targeted the uninsured here in Hawaii to link these folks, our Hawaii residents, to mental health providers who would be willing to provide free mental health services to those in need. And our, our vision really was to create a multidisciplinary approach. So not just psychologists, not our own colleagues, but beyond that, even our colleagues in other mental health communities. And come together with this common goal of ensuring that as many Hawaii residents as possible have access to quality mental health care, particularly the uninsured who were particularly in a bind because not able to access it. Yeah. I think that was the exciting piece is that we began to vision this being something that could be a way to bring all of Hawaii's mental health practitioners together in a way that could be really collaborative and ideally the best of Hawaii mental health. Talk about the method yeah. that we put into place. And Jody came into part in this and along the way, but we had some initial discussions and some yeah. things back and forth. Talk yeah. about kind of our method. Yeah. So so part of the vision was to to collaborate obviously with other mental health professionals in our in the other field. So we had a consortium based idea, right? Where we would pull in disciplines and do this as one big group. So our first step was to contact the executive director, Ray Folin, from our own mental health community, which is psychology. He's the executive director of the Hawaii Psychological Association. Ray was very supportive of our vision and even partnered with us to manifest the vision and continues to be right there in with us. He also garnered support from our HPA president at the time and the HPA board, 
We did other things in terms of paving the way. Yeah, well, I know mm -hmm. we want to make sure that this is going to be both a ethical and legally safe process we were going to be involved with. So right, right. We also had a chance to consult. Right. So Graham and I, you and I, Graham, we had an ethics consult with the trust, which is the organization that takes care of most psychologists' ethical needs. And, and we so we consulted with them to make sure that the vision we had was congruent ethically with our profession. Ray, our executive director, sought at legal at specific times throughout the process, legal consultation to make sure that we were doing this legally sound, so ethically sound and legally sound. In terms of developing the program itself, we reached out to the executive directors of each of the mental health communities here in Hawaii, mental health counselors, uh, marriage and family therapists, social workers, to share their vision. We want to make note of two people in particular and name them. Joni Fujii, who is an LMFT, and Eric Acuna, who is an LCSW, they, these two were particularly helpful in being liaisons between the their respective uh, mental health communities in bridging, in bridging us to them and also sharing our vision. Yeah, you and I. Yeah, also, we get to, we get to reach out yeah. in some ways to some of the media mm -hmm. and to some contacts that you had, some contacts that I had. We were to kind of really have a broad net thrown mm -hmm. out so the media could be informed about this and may start to make this known to uh, our Ohana here in Hawaii. Yes, absolutely. So we were able to get a proclamation set out by Major Kirk Caldwell and attended a television spot with him to announce the program. We had Governor Ige who promoted the project in, in a press release and KHON News interviewed us, I think a couple of times, where we got to talk about our project and promote our project and, and instruct people about how to get involved if they needed services. We did an, an interview with Civil Beat. So people were very kind and welcome in terms of spreading the news and how, how, how people can access our program. And this culminated in the launch of the Hawaii Pro Bono COVID-19 project in May of 2020. Yeah. In the process along the way here, we asked Jody to come and be a part Yes. of this program. Lori had some prior interactions with her in multiple capacities and knew that we needed somebody with Jody's abilities that maybe mm. Lori and I didn't possess. Jody brought some structure in the policies and the procedures that have created a incredible infrastructure, again, that we would love to share with our listeners if your state is interested in this. But this model that's been created here with Jody working from the inside to create this infrastructure has really been noteworthy. And Jody, at this point, I'd, I'd like you just to kind of walk us through a wee bit of some of the things you did around these policies and procedures. And we started kind of with kind of a request process. Mm -hmm. uh, walk us through some of the things that you had as you began to come into the program and the project itself and some of the thoughts you had in order to, to provide some of the infrastructure that was going to be needed for this to be a very effective and sustainable program. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I worked directly with Dr. Bowen, the Hawaii Psychological Association, because we needed to vet all of the clinicians that were coming through. We wanted to make sure everybody was licensed because of the pro bono project. That was one of the things that we needed to make sure that they were licensed. They weren't interns. They weren't students. However, if we had some students and interns, there was somebody who was licensed, but they could work on there. So what we did was we created, I believe at the time it was SurveyMonkey and yeah. gathering just mm -hmm. information about 
the clinicians who were interested. And things we wanted to know from the individuals was we needed to know their name, their discipline, what their specialties were, where they were located, if they were on different islands or different sides of within Neowaku, what side of the island they were on, as well as what their specialties were. So who could they serve? Did they serve children, adolescents, adults, couples? Was there anything they couldn't handle? Like some, like we have a few people who said no substance abuse, no court orders. So these are things that were really important to us because as people were making requests into us, we needed to really match people in the best way we can with the right clinician. You know, Lord Jay, I'd like to jump on this a, a wee bit here because I think that's going to be an important piece. This just wasn't willy nilly. You know, you want to see somebody, well, we'll, we'll give you their number. Right. We did a, a really significant job as kind of a, a, as this was being created and facilitated, you and Ray created that survey monkey that allowed us to determine that people weren't fact licensed in their respective professions. And secondly, that they were a good standing with their board. Both of those were prerequisites for us. That was part of our ethical and our legal uh, de determination that we wanted people to be hooked up with really good practitioners who could provide that service. And you and Ray did a really nice job of that. And then you guys put together this great infrastructure around being able to match people. So there was a goodness of fit in the therapy that they were going to be seeking. And also just allowing that to be from the very front end, having a good opportunity to have some success in that mm -hmm. pairing process. Mm -hmm. Really nicely done. Could I also clarify too, that we, we, we basically just, we're asking clinicians to just simply donate as much time as they could. So there wasn't a set um, hour or, you know, timeline, we we just ask folks to be willing to donate some of their time to folks in need. And we actually had lots of clinicians respond to that call. I want to just name that, right? That we had really a, a, a good, a good number of clinicians willing to do that. And so uh, Jody developed the process by which to link people in need who needed services with these clinicians. And that's what she's describing right now. Yeah, you know, it was really important when they gave us the information. We one one of the things that we started with: how many spots can you handle? Some people had one spot on their caseload. Some had four. Um, right. had a couple of agencies that came forward that were like, "Send us one once a month." They talked to us offline of how many they can handle because they had some students. So we wanted to make sure, as Dr. Gasio was talking about, was making sure through the trust that this was possible because we you know, it was that part of that vetting process that everybody was in good standing with their licensing boards and they were able, them themselves were licensed. I think that's another part here that I like to highlight and maybe you could just say just a quick word around is that it wasn't just individual practitioners. We also, and you facilitate this really thoroughly for us through your contacts and just through your relationships you've garnered over the years. You've, you brought in a number of agencies that also got to be a part of this program as well. So, yeah, absolutely. So we actually, it wasn't just about matching people with clinicians. We wanted also to give clinicians services. So if they got a phone call, we matched them and people needed more than just therapy sessions and they needed a little bit more case management or they need a referral process. We were able to talk to all the agencies around the island so we could provide additional services. And what we did for all of the clinicians is we sent out a resource guide and told everybody of different even websites of what's available to us. And throughout the whole time that we've been doing this is when we check in with everybody, we also ask again, does anybody need any more resources? Do you need anything? 
how can we help you help the people you're serving? So that was something that was an integral part. So they felt also supported. It wasn't just getting clients just sent to them. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Behavioral and mental health professionals provide critical support to our communities in a time when our communities need it more than ever. But they need support too, to continue their education, to connect with colleagues, and to advance their career. And so we've launched Triad, the hub for behavioral and mental health professionals. At Triad, you'll find education, community, and career resources for both current and aspiring behavioral and mental health professionals, all curated specifically for you and all for free. Visit us at hellotriad.com BHT to register for your free professional account. Again, that's hellotriad.com BHT. Come join the community today. I think that's a nice piece. And again, this is something we can help other agencies or states do as well, is that we just didn't say, okay, you're, we're going to be a referral service. You know, good luck with this patient. We really put together some work. And Jody, you pulled together a wonderful resource page for us mm-hmm. to hand out to these therapists for uh, a variety of uh, kind of adjunctive services right. that could be supportive to the therapy that people were doing yeah. for the needs that were likely to be presented in the therapy that the patient was seeking. I know you collected a, a, a ton of information. You put together a decision tree about how to handle referrals, and mm. it's so thorough. It, it is so helpful. It just it streamlines the whole process in a very seamless way. I want to come to just a moment to talk about some of the data that you gathered, but I also want to name that you recognize that this is going to be a fairly big job, so you did a really nice thing, and you brought in some student yeah. volunteers. Yeah. Tell us about that process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and thank you, because it's... It, it, if it wasn't for the students, we would not be able to function. So what we did was at the time, there were two doctoral programs on Oahu. There was the White School of Professional Psychology at Chaminade University, as well as uh, the University of Hawaii at Manoa. So there were two, and we had, I was working with the student representative at the time, and I myself was one of the student reps. And what we did was we sat down and we said, you know what, we really need everybody's help. This is a great opportunity for all of the students to come aboard. And we're only asking everybody for an hour a week. If we can get enough volunteers, it could even be less. So we put together a nice Google form and said, made an announcement, went around to all the different classes and talked about the program and what the vision was. And initially we had several students volunteer. We had a lot of people that were coming forward. They wanted to help. It was wonderful. and. We've actually retained, right now we have 14 amazing volunteers. So we have two people a day and they check throughout the day. There are some days though, because we have a spreadsheet that everybody is keeping and there's constant communication. They're checking this five, six, seven, eight times a day to make sure that we're catching something if it comes in. So initially what we did before we handed it to the student is myself and another former student, we just monitored this for the first month to see any glitches that were there because we wanted it to be a smooth transition. So people weren't getting frustrated and kind of throwing their hands up of like, why am I volunteering? I'm really proud to say that we had very few glitches when we we rolled everything out. And 
right now out of the 14 or students from the very get-go, the people that we have lost have gone on to internships, so we're pretty excited about it. One of them had just reached out to me asking if they can come back to us yeah. when they return to the state. So I'm so <laughs> excited, but we have it so everybody's trained and everybody has access. So we have constant meetings with everybody, but it is truly the students yes. that make this happen. And we are reaching out. There is another doctoral program that is on Oahu. So we have reached out to them because we'd love to give them the opportunity as well to volunteer. Yeah. You know, Lori and I get a chance to periodically come in and, and just meet with the students online. Jody usually sets it up for us, but Jody, you've done a phenomenal job yes. in retaining and training yes. and encouraging and supporting. And the retention is in part because of your leadership around that. Yes. But folks, these students are phenomenal. Yes. They are bright. They are committed. They are engaged. And they have just been absolutely wonderful. And, and as Jody talks about the success of this program, yes, the clinicians that get to see people, but it doesn't work if we don't have that infrastructure working yes. in the way that Jody's put it together and brought these volunteers of their own time to be a part of this. So mm -hmm. it's, it's been outstanding. You know, Jody, I mentioned a few minutes earlier about some of the data that you've collected along the way about the number of clinicians that we've been able to bring in, spots, requests, and how we've connected. Give us kind of the skinny on some of the data that you've collected along the way. Absolutely. I'm actually really excited to talk about this data. So when we first sent the information out to clinicians to bring them in and we were vetting people, a few people caseloads because it was COVID started to increase because now telehealth and people had some issues. But once we rolled out, we had 66 clinicians that came on board that were giving anywhere from one to four spots. We had a total of 91 available spots at the start of our program. And since we rolled out, we've had 100 requests. We've connected 49 of those individuals to clinicians. The other 51, four of them we had to raise up to a higher level of care. And the good thing about this whole project is the students have the support of Dr. Ignacio and Dr. Taylor. So if something comes in, they are not making a decision in a silo. It is absolutely a team decision. They talk to their person on their day to see, hey, what do you think? What, where's your thought on this? Then they'll kick it over to me, give, get my opinion, and then we kick it up because we want to make sure that we're meeting everybody's needs and safety and security are always there. So those other 51 individuals have either had insurance, the four people, as I mentioned before, were kicked to a higher level of care, and a couple of individuals were referring other adults. So as much as we encourage that we've gotten back to them and said, please encourage them to contact us directly. We can't connect somebody if you're referring for somebody else, but here are some resources. So yeah. anybody who contacts us, if you have insurance or you're referring somebody else, we provide you resources, including the crisis team and our resource pamphlet that we have put together. Those are very exciting numbers and, and people being willing to come in and use the service, but also the clinicians that have been willing to provide their services here on the receiving end. So it's, it is it outstanding. Mm -hmm. You know, Jody, what you did in creating this infrastructure, and truly, folks, I'm not, I'm not just trying to blow sunshine Jody's way. This is really true. This infrastructure, Ray had a part of it. Jody had a big part of it. The maintenance and the, and the uh, sustainability of it has been on Jody's shoulders pretty much solely. Lori and I get to come in, and we sure. get to have a kind of a pep talks and encouragement and just to kind of hear what's going on. We sometimes screen some of the emergency things, as Jody was saying, but 
for the most part, Jody has really been managing this uh, with such a, a, a wonderful hand. Oh, yeah. To the point where what we realized is that over the last 17 months, we've created a business model for the, the delivery of pro bono services to uninsured. We've got a screening process for appropriate mm -hmm. clients. We have policies, procedures, emergency crisis procedures. And we have a solid infrastructure with appropriate staffing. So we've got a model that's been tested. It's been well-received. It's effective. It's low cost. Well, putting aside the high sweat equity, other than that, <laughs> yeah. and it's sustainable, you know, uh, as a model. So we found that there's a success too of working within a multidisciplinary team for the delivery of mental health services. The beauty of this for us is this has been Hawaii's mental health at its finest, mm -hmm. coming together, we have all four branches of mental health coming into play, working collaboratively in a consortium-based referral-driven program that has just been so significant. So we've got this opportunity now to transition this COVID-based program. We anticipate that COVID is going to lighten up a little bit here, but the uninsured are going to stay. Mm. There's always going to be those that struggle with lack of insurance or underinsurance or just no insurance at all for mental health services. And so we've got an opportunity to transition this COVID-based program to another program at the beginning of the year. And this is what we'd love to share with you right now that's accessible to, and we'd be happy to offer as the model to you in your states as you're listening or in your agencies, if you think it could be a good fit. Lori, walk us down this path about this transition that's going to be taking place, given the success yes. of the COVID program itself. So essentially, in a nutshell, you know, Graham and I and Jody cut from the same cloth saying, well, why stop here? Let's not stop here. Let's keep going because there's still a need, right? There are still many uninsured folks here in Hawaii who will and will continue to benefit from ongoing mental health services. So we came up with the idea to extend the intention and, the, and to manifest the project itself into a larger scale project here in Hawaii. So basically transitioning our COVID project into a Hawaii mental health centric project. And again, utilizing the multidisciplinary approach, creating a multidisciplinary consortium, a referral-based delivery, essentially of mental health services to any and all uninsured Hawaii residents who could benefit from mental health services. So Essentially, we now are embarking on this massive transition and transforming it from just being a COVID-focused mental health project to a larger project, essentially called the Hawaii Pro Bono Mental Health Center, HPB for short, HPB MHC, if you'd like, and um, extending the intention and all of its processes, infrastructure and all into a larger scale project. Jody, our fearless leader in the trenches, will become the executive director of the mental health center with oversight of everything from referral processes to tracking of services, oversight of student volunteers who we anticipate will be just as eager to run the, the center with her, could continue to already maintain relationships with providers that have already been established the pro bono COVID project, 
Graham and I will continue to provide oversight and consulting services. We'll continue to be available for management of difficult referrals in emergency situations and consult on those, always in support of Jody and of the student volunteers in any way we can. And we'll continue to also tap into our media folks and that will welcome us into continuing to spread the word about this project now. Ray Folen, the executive director of HPA, will continue to stay on board, providing, again, consultation services, support of us, IT services. And we also have recently partnered with the Hawaii Community Foundation, which is a nonprofit here, that will essentially partner with us to increase our access to mental health services. We'll partner with them, who will provide some support and oversight of our program as well. Yeah. So, which is very exciting. That's very exciting. This is, uh, it's really coming to fruition such that we can maintain a very sustainable, well-tested, very well-received program that is very low cost to run. And we're very excited about this. We're looking to launch this program in February of 2021. And uh, what we're asking each of our Hawaii mental health colleagues from all four branches, psychology, social work, marriage and family, and Hawaii uh, mental health counseling, is that they give us just one hour, one patient slot, basically, one patient slot in their caseload. And that's going to be an exciting thing if we can get these folks, the way they've responded so far to the COVID crisis, we anticipate a good response with the Hawaii Pro Bono Mental Health Center taking form in February. So that's going to be our next step. Jody, give us any last thoughts you might have as uh, we're kind of coming to a close for our time today. Any last thoughts that you'd uh, want to kind of chip in here? I, I, I do. Um, thank you for that opportunity. You know, if it wasn't for the clinicians that are volunteering their time and the student volunteers, the project would not have gotten off the ground. It is their commitment to service our community that truly has made this successful. I appreciate all the love that's coming to me, but it's truly the love needs to go to our clinicians and our students because they're the ones that every day are responding to our emails, saying yes to taking on new referrals, talking to us and saying, hey, you know what? I have somebody in my practice who we vet who could help. So, you know, if that, that's a case, we vet the individual beforehand. We make sure that everybody's there, but it's truly the fact that here in Hawaii, we really do take care of Oahana, and it really is helping each other make sure that we are serving the uninsured. And it's truly a pleasure. It's, if you ask anybody who is working with any of the referrals we're giving them or any of the students, they'll tell you how much they do enjoy working for this project. Yeah, really good. Given that, Jody, I want to kind of dovetail a little bit off of that and talk about our future vision and considerations for the Hawaii Pro Bono Mental Health Center. Again, it's going to be a referral-based service, and we are very willing for those listening in today to the show, we appreciate you being with us. We're willing to provide other state mental health organizations or other agencies that are interested in this model. We'll be happy to, to give it to you, to share it with you, to see how you can implement it in your community. Mm -hmm. We're also really excited about maybe some future things as well, where we're looking to create maybe some practicum and yeah. Some internship mm -hmm. possibilities that we had. Yeah, part of the, the longer-term vision for the Mental Health Center is to eventually support students even more by offering practicum placement at the center, even internship placements, perhaps. Yeah, yeah and Jody has some thoughts about that, and, and, and so do we. And clearly to support other 
other communities in other states that might want to implement this program and adapt it to their own needs in their own states. And Graham and I would be very willing to share our program in its entirety and support other people who might be wanting to replicate it or use it in their own communities. Really good. Well, guys, as we kind of come into the home stretch here, I want to thank you both for being with us today. What a great time having you on the show and uh, how exciting this program is to share. Fun to talk about it, fun to uh, vision in further ways. Looking forward to 2022 coming up and just me being able to sustain this in an ongoing way here. So Jody, Lori, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah, great to have you both here. If you're interested in this program and would like to learn more, feel free, please, to do two things. One, you're welcome to email us at hawaiimhc at gmail.com, hawaiimhc at gmail.com. And also in this, you're going to be able to, on our resource page, download our PowerPoint that we're using for this presentation today. And you can find out more information about uh, the program and some of the specifics that we discussed today and the forms that we use, the decision tree, some really cool stuff in this PowerPoint. So you're welcome to look at it there as well. I really want to thank you, you know, all for joining us today as listeners. And I want to remind you this episode and its resources and all our other shows can be found on our webpage at tryathq.com slash bht. The PowerPoint from today's presentation will also be on that. So feel free, please, to go to triadhq.com slash BHT to take a look at this PowerPoint and any services you think might be helpful to your agency or you as a practitioner. I just want to thank you for joining us today in this conversation, for dropping by. We appreciate you being with us, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.